For those pictures before you are the designated targets of a deadly assassin. The assassin of youth, a new drug menace, destroying our children in alarmingly increasing numbers. Marijuana is that drug. A vile narcotic, an unspeakable scourge, a real public enemy number one. Creeping like a communist, it's knocking at our doors, turning all our children into hooligans and whores, voraciously <laughs> devouring the way things are today, savagely deflowering the good old USA. Woo! For madness, reefer madness, reefer madness, reefer madness. Oh, so mad! Welcome to the episode, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yes. I have no idea when Dev starts on this. Oh, me neither. Is it now? It can't be now. There's no way. Wait, it's coming up. Okay, hold on. Okay. Places. Places. The history of film. That better who you the lights go dim. From James Cagney to Nosferatu and stunts that shock you. And dirty, dirty tricks to your made. From wings to Top Gun, movie stars and no ones. Romantic, crazy fans that leave no real fun. Hollywood is still from history in Hollywood. They chase the Oscar, but it's all a sham, just like Shaq and Kazam. All your dreams can come true. History, the history of film, all of it made for you. Good God, that was terrible. That was a yes. fantastic rendition of what song was that, Dev? Did you write that yourself? That is the opening song to the musical movie Reefer Madness, sung by Indeed. Alan Cummings and starring Kristen Bell and a whole other plethora of amazing actors. And it was a Broadway hit. It was amazing. It's a comedy parody of the real reefer madness the 1936 propaganda film which we are right. here talking about today because it's for tweezy it's 420 y'all by the way oh, by boy. the way hooligans and whores is playing the 420 show at the troubadour night <laughs> i'm gone <laughs> <laughs> hooligans and whores hooligans and whores um so from what i understand you guys did a, an episode of reefer madness on the old show in, in the before four times we did indeed um i not only do not know what reefer madness is uh i i have like propaganda film okay so that's my first clue in so it's I, it is a movie, but also it was an actual event as well, if I understand. Like, what is the concept of? Dev, do you want me to go or do you want to go? You'll go ahead and take it away, James. I'll jump in here in a little bit. What do you want to start with? Reefer Madness was a film in 1936. Whoa, yes. early. Okay. Early 1936. We were doing the weeds in 36? Yeah, I'll do a, uh, when are we? <laughs> here in a bit. They, okay. they were doing the weeds in 1936, and it was the scourge of America, as some people would call it. Uh, and this movie, Reefer Madness, 
came out as uh, propaganda against marijuana, spelled with an H at the time. They were doing a lot of that. Uh, it was propaganda against the scourge marijuana uh, for our youth that was taking over America, and it was funded by like anti-marijuana lobbyist groups, basically. Mm-hmm. And it was this... You have to see it. Everyone watch it for 420. It's now a tradition to watch this thing and get super baked on 420 because it is it it depicts marijuana in a way that it's really it's just like it can't be matched. Like it, does it kind of make it does it does it make it look like it does like what crack does? Yes. Okay. Yeah, but more like what like PCP mixed with schizophrenia would do. <laughs> and as Dev will tell us about today, it was loosely based on a real murder case in Florida, in Dev's neck of the woods in your old hometown. Oh, uh, yeah. Where they blamed the murder on a joint that was in the living room. This dude, and Dev's going to tell you about that. Dev's going to tell you about that part today. Okay, all right. But uh, I don't want to jump too far ahead because okay. this thing is it's pretty juicy. But yes, we did do this back in the day on the original run of film history. And uh, I actually broke out. I dusted off the old episode here and kind of punched it up to... Uh, to match, you know, the new the new norm here. Well, excellent. Sit back, s- twist up, spark up, lay back <laughs> yes. in your lounge chair or lounge chair. Hopefully, you're not driving or jogging on the treadmill. <laughs> but uh, this is a, this is a fucking roller coaster because the movie is just as fascinating as the time period of when are we and the real life events that. Th- were inspired the creation of this film and all of the politics and all of the things going on on the national stage at this time with prohibition of cannabis and them trying to initially make it this movie was the bait the, the big propaganda machine that went around the country and scared the shit out of everybody about weed. So the, everybody went and voted on the marijuana tax act and federally made yeah. it illegal. But that's yeah. that's a, what it is in its concept. I mean, the the cool thing about the the movie itself is that this is basically a Greek tragedy. If you want to think about story structure wise, mm-hmm. this a, is <laughs> it's a it's a terrible movie. It's a it's a shitty attempt at a Greek tragedy, horrible. I should say. But it's a yeah. movie within a movie, technically. It is. What? Yeah. yeah. I mean, technically, yeah. <laughs> And it's got so many layers. Like I said, I mean, it started out as propaganda for anti-weed, which it absolutely, like Dev said, it definitely attributed to, like, it was a big reason why we got made illegal, was this movie, you know, or federally illegal. And uh, it also now has this new purpose of, by the way, just a lesson for any filmmaker out there. When you make something that is anti-drug, anti-alcohol, whatever it is, if you're trying to tell the kids a lesson, odds are it's going to just wind up being the exact opposite one day. (laughs) People are just going to smoke weed and watch this movie. You know, that's like the whole thing now. So it totally... I, it it definitely backfired on them <laughs> well, in a big way. This, it becomes this, more part of the counterculture. Exactly. This wasn't targeted at kids. This was targeted at the right. parents. It was originally right. called Tell Your Children was the title. Tell of it. Your Children. And, yeah. and the, yeah. the whole, I mean, the movie opens with a man in a suit talking to a group of PTA um like parents at in a classroom. Right. And then they right. show a film 
and they're they're the guy is trying to convince these parents about how bad this is for your children and then in the classroom they showed and screened this movie about this journey of this you know all-american you know we'll get into that this guy who engages in marijuana and falls off the deep end <laughs> but marijuana with an h yeah they'll always cut back though they'll be like in the middle yeah. of it, they'll cut back to the quote-unquote narrator and it's a guy in front of the classroom talking to the parents but the reason they did this was a manipulation tactic because they would screen this film in pta meetings around the country so if you're a parent right. in the 1930s and you go to a PTA meeting and you watch this fucking film or, you know, go to a theater or wherever they're hosting it, you feel like one of the people in the audience. That was the whole thing, like one of the people in the audience of the parents of the yeah. movie that they're watching. It's crazy. So it's a really great movie it's, to watch when you're high because it's kind of like a, a trip in and of itself. Like just the fact exactly. of the way it's set up and everything. Yeah, Whoa, it's kind of like if you've ever had to do like an alcohol safety education course. Somebody in this room probably <laughs> has at some point. And uh, you watch one of those videos and it's someone talking to their safety education course about their experiences and you're just watching the video. Whoa, know? dude. How does it end? What if, they, what if they filmed that class watching that video? Yeah, dude. Know? How many layers does it go deep, dude? <laughs> it's just like that tunnel. Like you put a mirror on a mirror. Yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah. like a never ending TVs playing it. Bro, it's like a never ending joint, my <laughs> God. Oh, my God. <laughs> this makes me want to drink and drive. Anyway, so. To we'll we'll start off, you know. We'll oh, by the way, mm -hmm. welcome to film history, the, the history, history of film. I'm James Wyatt Scott. I'm Drake Cummings, and I'm Sailor Dev. Indeed, <laughs> I'll tell you a little bit about when this thing came out, 1936, and a little. When are we? Dev and I were talking about bringing back the uh, back in time. Back in time. For the old episodes, when we used to do it, when we did this episode initially, uh, we would have back in time and we'd sing it <laughs> and we would act like we were in a time machine. And uh, it was like, soup, 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 soup. You know. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, Huey Lewis in the news for all you young Yes, it is. I, I, yes, I absolutely is. love how you used to like parody and different song to do the like the same segment and then it's just like uh, the reboot is always slightly different isn't it yeah yeah it's always but it's still it's still the same bones man it's the same but different same but different um, uh really Callbacks quickly i was at nostalgic uh, reasons yes i was talking to someone this weekend and he was like yeah i was uh it was at the same same but different festival and i was like oh, oh like God. like the interview He's like, what interview? I was like, the movie, the interview when when he was when he went to Korea and he was like the same same but different joke. He's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh my god! But anyway, hilarious. there's this music fest, and I was like, wait, there's a music festival called Same Same but Different. He's yeah. like, yeah. What are you talking about? I'm like, we are in two different universes, my guy. I've never heard of that. <laughs> I've never heard about. It I don't know if I want to go. That sounds too much for my brain, actually. So you know, it's same same but different. No, I can't do it. I need same or different. I don't need both. <laughs> 
But the anyway. year is 1936. We are six years into the CAG era, you know. This is uh, this is the year where Cagney did Great Guy, the one where he's the uh, the slap slapping weights and balances officer, you mm, know. Okay. He's going around uh, weighing people's chickens and slapping them in the face, if you remember from the CAG episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are, of course... Deep into the Great Depression during this year, which is a great time to take people's weed away and mm-hmm. weed tax dollars while we're at it. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know what would make things way worse? <laughs> <laughs> no weed for you. You need to experience this Great Depression as, <laughs> yeah. as deeply as you possibly can. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think that helps people cope when they're sad? <laughs> we're taking that away. Uh, and the president at this time... And this, it's still a prohibition, isn't it, too? Yeah, I mean... So you can't, was, even, you can't even a, drink. There was a little prohibition still going on. I think they were getting out of it. Oh, really? But, but okay. they're going into a new weed prohibition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, first we take away your alcohol, now we take away your weed, also none of you have money, and the red line's ended, over there. Prohibition actually ended by this time. It ended in 1934, yeah. actually. 30, right. 33 okay. or beginning of 34 or something like that. But Land it was still fresh. On, that, that's an that's a important part we'll talk about after this, is because what do you think happened to all those fucking kappas that used to be moonshine-busting kappas? Oh, yeah. They yeah. became uh, reefer yeah. den busting coppers. Yes, they did. They just switched over to the devil's lettuce. And you had a bunch of old Italian guys like, I never touched that stuff. We don't my gang doesn't deal with that stuff, you know, and then Well good wholesome operation, all right? His seventeen year old mobster son starts selling weed, he's like, You're a disgrace. <laughs> well yeah, wait, did the mob transition from, from peddling booze well, to peddling marijuana? That was a big deal. I mean, they really did have this thing where like we're not gonna do drugs. That's it. That's that we have morals, you know. And that started out with weed. Like we're not gonna be the weed guys. And then that was uh, heroin as well. Like in the sixties and seventies, they were like, absolutely not. We don't touch heroin. Uh, Goodfellas goes into it because uh, you know Henry Hill actually started selling coke, and it was like his mob. His family was like, we don't do that shit. Yeah, we, we, we're a wholesome operation. Yeah. Now go and break this man's kneecaps. Yeah, yeah, go and bring this man to the middle of a field and leave his dead body there. But don't <laughs> have any drugs on you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, this is uh, the year Franklin D. Roosevelt is our president. He's trying to pull us out of the Great Depression. Uh, and um, man, I found out some disappointing stuff about him. But oh, no. <laughs> I'll get into it. Oh, yeah. no. Old FDR. Oh, who no. Knew? He was the New Deal. <laughs> man right he was the new deal man yeah, um, <clears throat> this is around you know the year the nazis are kicking off they're ah. really doing their thing they're having their moment I mean, right now they're, they're raging in europe currently <laughs> yeah 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 the nazis are like really this was the year that the olympics were held in berlin mm-hmm. and hitler had like the meth induced fit when jesse owens won all the medals yeah. you know also, but, uh, the first radio, <laughs> the first television broadcast via radio in world history. Those Olympics, yeah, the BBC, yeah, the Olympics, yeah. But look, so when I found aliens out something. Receive our radio waves in like the movie Contact. They're gonna receive fucking Hitler at the Olympics, yelling at people. <laughs> That's the first. Like, We're not going down there. Welcome to Planet Earth. The TV show. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're not going down there. We're Never just, mind. Just all good. Yeah, we just, like Jesse. <laughs> Earth will be a flyover state. You know? <laughs> yeah, but no. So Jesse Owens, there's this whole thing where they say Hitler had this fit because Jesse Owens wins at the Olympics. You know, it's been, I've heard it since I was a kid. There's like uh-huh. the tale of Jesse Owens at the Berlin Olympics in yeah. 1936. Uh, listen to what Jesse Owens has to say about it. 
A month after the Olympic Games, Owens told a crowd, Hitler didn't snub me. It was Roosevelt who snubbed me. The president didn't even send me a telegram. Roosevelt never publicly acknowledged Owens, uh, his, his medal winning, or the triumphs of any of the 18 African Americans who competed at the Berlin Olympics. Only white Olympians were invited to the White House in 1936. And, of course, he says it was because, like, he didn't want to lose the Southern Democrats, you know, blah, blah, blah. But Jesse Owens himself was like, actually, Hitler was shitty, but, like, uh, they were all shitty. Yeah. You know, whatever yeah. came to that particular day. Damn, that sucks. Yeah, man. Fuck. I know, I know. Everybody just, sucks just back whenever, then. whenever you have like a hero in history, it's like it's always ruined by racism. Yeah, yeah <laughs> always. It's it like, all. oh, that dude was sick. Oh, actually, he was an awful fucking racist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah don't well, look up what George Washington's teeth were really made out of. Not, know? not to give excuse to anything, but at least FDR wasn't putting people in ovens. You know, that's a good that's, point. I mean, that's it's, a good point. It, it is. To be fair, though, it's very easy to clear that bar. Like that bar <laughs> it's, is it's like one thing to be like, Yeah, but it's like one thing to be like, yo, I don't fuck with this person because of politics because I want to get back into yeah, office. Right. It's a whole other yeah. thing to be like, <laughs> be like, I like, what if we yeah. want to destroy your people off of the face of the earth? Like, that's yeah, what a if whole we did? Whole, what if we did a whole genocide? Yeah, no, no, and I know yeah. I was trying to say FDR was as bad as Hitler. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was no, just no, saying no, whatever yeah. it came to it the just, Olympics that day, they they all. All kind of, uh, he yeah, it's still shitty, I agree. FDR was as bad as Hitler. I'm saying it here today. Uh, <laughs> yeah, now Hitler dropped that bar at the bottom of the Mariana Trench, and everyone's just been swimming over yeah, it, yeah, but they're yeah. not flying. So, well, one guy got it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so this was also the year that the uh, Rural Electrification Act was passed that provided federal funding for electricity to be provided to rural America. Ah. So... This is why I like to do When Are We? Well, yeah. Because, like, just think about it. This movie was coming out at the year where the, the, the Nazis were starting up their thing. The Berlin Olympics is happening. The South is just now fucking getting electricity, mm -hmm. like, federally. Yeah. You know, like, that's how long ago this was. This, is, this was the first year that the Hindenburg took flight. It took its first flight this year. Speaking of the Nazis, nice. you know, everybody was like, nothing's going to go wrong with that. Big nice. blimp thing. I, 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 we've solved blimps by now, right? Like we can yeah. make a blimp that doesn't explode. Yeah, the Goodyear blimp. Why, why aren't why aren't like blimp cruises not a thing yet? They're slow. They're very slow. But you're on a cruise though. The whole yeah, like imagine true. you're on a cruise ship. But oh, you're you'll in the, die. But you're in the air. Everybody would die. But you're in the air. It well, would explode. <laughs> like there's no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> It would explode. The Goodyear blimp can hardly make it over the Dodger Stadium anymore. You know, like it's got to land. It's tired, old. It's tired. <laughs> That's the thing. Every blimp was made in the fifties at this point. Oh you know? no, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. That's not true. <laughs> blimp history, the history of blimps. I'm sure there's some. What do you think, Dev? Is there like an international blimp flight? That you I can mean, take? blimps are just they're they're expensive. Like the, the Goodyear blimp and all those still exist, but I think the reason is like scale and the amount of fuel you have to carry. It's just not efficient, you know. Yeah, for sure. For You'd sure. Just rather um, put it all on the water and put like slides in an all-you-can-eat twenty-four-hour buffet on there and shit. Hell yeah! <laughs> With hey, 5, if they need people. more hot air. If they need more hot air for the blimp, they could just stop by Washington, D.C., am I right? Hey, oh, hey, oh, oh, wow. <laughs> 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 
1936 was the year <laughs> the book uh, Gone with the Wind was published this year. The book. Everything's a book first. Everything's a book first, man. It used to be actual books, now they're comic books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Comic books are actual books, we you know what I mean. That's true. No, I hear you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Billboard magazine publishes the first pop music chart with uh, number one being Pennies from Heaven by Bing Crosby. Oh. Pennies from Heaven, you know. And, uh, that old ditty. That old ditty. I love that song, actually. It's still on my playlist. Since 1936, <laughs> I've had it on my iPod. Never left. Amazing. <laughs> and the top film was The Great Zigfield with William Powell. We've discussed that film a little bit on this show before. Uh, it was, of course, about you know Zigfield, the guy who created the Zigfield Follies that James Cagney would be in at some point. He once tap-danced his way into that show. And uh, the other big movie of the year is Modern Times with Charlie Chaplin. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, that came out this year. Same year as Reefer Madness. Ah. So I wonder who was filing the theaters to see what, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, People born this year, 1936, Pope Francis, John McCain, David Carradine, Burt Reynolds was born in 1936. That makes sense. Whoa. Yeah. 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 uh, I bet you his parents were watching this movie. (laughs) <laughs> I bet they were absolutely. They were making yeah. sure little Bert didn't get into the marijuana, or maybe they were partaking. Maybe that's what caused little Bert to come oh, around. Yeah. Wait, was wasn't Modern Times still a silent film? It was like uh, mostly silent, I guess. Okay, I think that was but, one where Chaplin was still trying to like. Because talkies were a big thing at this point, so is it yeah. more just like there was just like an artistic direction, like Chaplin like loved to do silent films. I, were they a dying breed? Was it still, yeah. that would he be, owned well, a you know studio what? for them. You yeah. know, this is when Chaplin was like really successful, so he probably just didn't want to change into the new medium yet. Mm. Right. There's only no, so, this many, money so much I can cram. One, yeah. one day maybe we'll do an episode on the death of the silent film. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, and Charlie Chaplin's going to be like a five-parter, yeah. probably. <laughs> so, like, the man is like still very much alive to this day yeah. in a big way. But, uh, of course, this was also the year that when uh, one of the absolute scariest things to white people all over the world was marijuana, the devil's lettuce, Satan's salad, Lucifer's kale, if you will. Happy Lucifer's 420, everyone. Kale. <laughs> I came up with that one on my own. And there were prominent institutions looking to end this cancer spread to the U.S., like Henry Anslinger, czar of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, who claimed that a bust of 60 joints in Detroit was enough fodder for 60 moitas. So joints are murder, is what he's saying there in old-timey speak. Just, um, you, you smoke a joint and you do a murder. You do a yeah, a joint's just like a murder. It's no different. This was also when the code was really starting to actually, uh, like, <laughs> to, what it, re-enforce things, you I know? See, yeah. yeah, the motion picture production code at this point was like, no, for real, though. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. we gotta start... We gotta stop showing the bad. Yeah, just... Arbuckle's planning his next smushing. Yeah, his next sm- Arbuckle smushing. Another great troubadour band that could be playing on 420. Arbuckle smushing. <laughs> hey, baby, you wanna go back and smush right, Arbuckles? You wanna go smush Arbuckles with me? You wanna turn into a real fatty Arbuckle tonight? <laughs> <laughs> This was, uh, this was, you know, of course, later on known as the MPAA, those devils, the MPAA. Um, and this was, you know, it would, it would weaken during the 50s, but at this point in 1936, uh, Reefer Madness was like 
perfect within this little trench here that they're digging. Like, this is the perfect thing. The code loves Reefer Madness. You know, this is really the film that they want. They want to show if you do something bad, it's going to fuck you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to ruin your life forever for small mistakes. There is no such thing as forgiveness in this country. (laughs) Exactly. And I'll say, like, there's still a lot of uh, like this propaganda, this style of propaganda is still very pertinent. Absolutely. Stuff. Like even like when I was coming through school, like I mean the whole like dare program and all this yeah. was founded off of just like scaring you like to the point of like just basically lies. Yeah. Yeah. And I I remember one there was when I was in high school. Uh, there was this one kid. I'm not gonna say his name because you know this is a public forum and that would be mean. But uh, the story and I I he this did happen. The details are are vague. But the story he shot his own eye out with a BB gun. Oh my god! And the story was he got like super baked and like pointed the gun at his head and shot his eye. Yes, he did shoot his eye out with a BB gun. I think it probably had more to do with him just not being the brightest bulb on the branch and not really the weed. I'm I'm sure the weed did hurt, but like that was like the the school took that and ran with it. They were like they were like look what happens when you smoke the weed kids you too will lose your eye you remember that one commercial everything else revolving around this fucking topic where you know we'll talk about harry anslinger who is the head of the dea in his gore files yeah a bunch of crime files that were like murders and all kinds of random you know domestic violence kidnappings all these crazy crimes that they just lumped together and blamed on weed that were we Yeah, yeah. And he was like being paid to do it mm. by the government, basically. And the theory is that it was also the logging companies. Hemp was becoming a big alternative to wood. Right. And the yeah. logging companies wanted hemp gone. Yeah. I yeah, yeah that's... wait to get into that. He only scratched Ooh. the tip of the iceberg there, Jimmy. Yes. Oh, yes. Fast. This is going to be a fascinating episode uh, uh, on history I, in general. It, it will. Um, Jimmy, do you know that your uh, birthright name there is the same name as our lead character in, in Reefer Madness the Musical? Really? So Old Jimmy. The lead That's what my parents in the movie me <laughs> is Billy Harper and Mary Lane. And in the musical, they changed it to Jimmy so they could, I guess, okay. phonetically rhyme it with songs more, I guess. But <laughs> right. uh, Mary Lane is also a play on Mary Jane. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jimmy kind of sounds like a joint, let's be honest. Oh, you know? Yeah. Smoking smoke yeah. Jimmy. Hey, yeah. you know what I smoking Jimmy's? Yeah. That's exactly You want to smoke right. a Jimmy? <laughs> but this, at the time, this film was, it was seen as like, they were calling it like the most accurate depiction of marijuana. Like they were, people were watching this and they were like, this is, and I can't wait. I'm going to tell you about okay. this movie. I'm not going to tell you the whole thing because again, I say this all the time, but I really do want you guys to go watch this. Like it's I said, free. please get high. It's free. It, yeah. It's on free. YouTube. It's, on YouTube. That's right. Yeah. And it's colorized and it's really cool. They colorized it all trippy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is there, is there a way to watch the original black and white though? So <laughs> I think on Amazon Prime. No, they're both on yeah. YouTube. Well, you let me just check it's... on my real good app. There you go. 
Real good. Dev's saying that they're both on YouTube for free. Oh, sick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dev brought us the intro from the musical, and I wanted to have Radio Man come in here and give you the warning that scrolls up on the screen on the film. Yes. If you guys will, uh, yes. if you guys will have Because I, I actually... <laughs> James, uh, you may or may not realize, but this is the same intro as my film Madness, which is about this yes. whole topic. Yes, I yes, started dude. out the same way. Yeah. We'll by the way, everyone, <laughs> one of, one of the reasons we're doing this film is because Dev happens to be a resident expert on this topic because he mm -hmm. is making a film about this, and so that's that's. That's uh, one of our advantages uh, here today, our my, field. My film is called Madness, and it's about the real crime in Tampa that inspired the making of the movie Reefer Madness and the yeah. events of the murder and then how they got spun into the creation of the film and then what happened on the national stage. So it's like... It's it Very is about cool. the movie, yeah. but it's almost like the making of Reefer Madness movie kind of thing. I love it. I, I love can't it. wait. I love man. all the layers here. I can't wait to go to the premiere and to see the movie before everyone. Because <laughs> I can't wait to see this shit. <laughs> it's gonna but, be uh, dope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you the warning. It's a little bit long, but you need to hear it all. It's very important. Okay? And this is because text you don't... that came up on the screen that was scrolling right before right. this PTA meeting in the film started. Right, right. <clears throat> okay. Oh, radio. Oh, radio man. Come on in. Come on in. <laughs> He's really high. He's like all stoned because it's 420. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, TLA. The motion picture you are about to witness may startle you. It would not have been possible otherwise to sufficiently emphasize the frightful toll of the new drug menace, which is destroying the youth of America in alarmingly increasing numbers. Marijuana, a violent narcotic of unspeakable scourge, the real public enemy number one. Its first effect is sudden. Violent, uncontrollable laughter. <laughs> then come dangerous hallucinations. <sighs> Space expands. Time slows down. Almost stands still. By the way, they're playing like soothing music over this. It's it. So far, it's just like if you're baked, this is great. You know, this it's is like amazing. a fucking Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rod Sterling should have done this. I'll do the rest of it as him. Fixed ideas come next. Conjuring up monstrous extravagance, followed by emotional disturbances, the total inability to direct thoughts, the loss of all power to resist physical emotions, leading finally to acts of shocking violence. Shocking violence. Marijuana leads you to shocking <laughs> violence, people. Remember that. Ending often in incurable insanity. <laughs> in picturing its soul-destroying effects, no attempt was made to equivocate. The scenes and incidents, while fictionalized for the purposes of this story, are based upon actual research into the result of marijuana addiction. If their stark reality will make you think make you aware that something must be done, then the picture will not have failed in its purpose because the dread marijuana may be reaching forth next for your son or daughter or yours or yours or yours. <laughs> that was wonderful. Thank you. Thank the you. fear in our audience. Yeah, <laughs> you better know. 
Oh, thank you, Radio Man. You're going to learn today. <laughs> thank you, Radio Man and the ghost of Rod Serling. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> both of them came here today for this episode. They're both so stoned. Um, uh, that is uh, that is a diatribe. Yeah. Is that using that word properly? Sure. And this in this in this context, sure. Yeah, man. They, they were really driving home a message here. Uh, and it's just clearly these studies that they say they've done are completely made up because they have no idea what someone high on marijuana really looks like because according to them it sends you into first uncontrollable laughter they could have stopped at that that one's true Mm -hmm. but then you basically (laughs) devolve into like an animal and at some point you're going to kill someone around you that's what marijuana does to you that's the effect also i I use diatribe perfectly actually nice (laughs) it's a forceful (laughs) or bitter verbal attack against something or someone there you go man never second guess it you know (laughs) uh yeah dude what a what a shakespearean diatribe yeah man uh again everyone please do yourself a favor and watch this thing you gotta see this is also like we just talked about coming fresh off of the silent film area so audience were used used to reading text and our director actually was famous for directing silent films and the silent film work had dried up so he then was looking for work he didn't really have anything going on and that's how he fell into directing this and several other of these types of films at the behest of like propaganda wings because they were like low-hanging fruits and they were like what what extra work can us can an ex-silent film director do than like you know half-ass shitty you know whatever remake (laughs) propaganda films yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, they had big filmmakers. Uh, the the director was a Paramount guy. He was a Paramount director named Max Linder, um, and he and he had this whole career with this guy named Gaznier. It, it was they were like really making a movie. You know, they definitely put in a lot of uh, a lot of budget for this thing, a lot of money. So Max was say. the head producer, one of the b- big producers. Yeah, yeah, and. and uh, the director was a guy named Louis Gassner. Yeah, Gasnier. I wasn't sure Gaznier. how to say it. Gassner. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know if it's Gassner. I just I pronounce it like that because it sounds funny. <laughs> the, the film itself, like the story that the film tells, is this group of middle class high school friends. Of course, they're all white. You know, there's not a black person in this whole movie. Uh, whose their lives are thrown into chaos by the drug, by the the marijuana. So I'll say at least, actually, I'm, I'm I'll chop that up as a silver lining here. At least they yeah. did also try to like paint minorities as like the culprits in this like drug. And, uh, well, sort of. Oh, oh God, sort damn of. It. No, no, it's not their fault. It's the adult. The adults in the movie are the real hoodlums here. There's there's like like <laughs> Dev was talking about. There's like a group. Of like zoot suit like mob looking guys who are running this weed den mm-hmm. where they basically uh, coerce teenagers into their weed den to come and smoke weed and have a party and they're very creepy about it as well even in 1936 they were like Good yeah just give me very villain drug dealer who's too cool yeah. for school and coerces very Billy who's just an all American. Uh, you know, athlete and and hangs out and says golly and gee whippers and his Mary or right. his girlfriend is Mary Lane and they met at the soda pop shop and they're all <laughs> happy. Pop shop. Soda pop yep. shop. 
Oh, I was just give me very Pinocchio uh, vibes. Yeah, like the, the, the guys like roping in Pinocchio into uh, drinking and smoking. Definitely, and it's a little Dracula too. You know, the the innocent, uh, happy go lucky uh, real estate real, guy real stir, real who estate meets agent. Dracula. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little Nosferatu action. Some of the Nos. There's a couple reasons they didn't feature a lot of minorities in here, but you got to think who's the audience. This was being shown to parents and PTA groups in suburban America. People right. with money and influence, people middle class or upper class, and they just wanted to scare the shit out of them. So if you have a whole film about jazz singers going crazy and Billie Holiday and counterculture people, they're not going to give a shit anyways. You have to make it relatable as a propaganda piece. And you have to be like, this could be your killed children or yours or yours. Like, that's the whole fucking or thing yours. here. Or yours. They're trying to like right. make it very like, this could be you because you're watching right. parents like yourself sitting in a PTA meeting, watching this video, which they portray as not necessarily verbatim as like real life events, but it's, it's like under the guise and it's, it's disguised as if maybe it could be like, this is a documentary and not like a fictional story. So like they blur right. as best they could back in the thirties for this, they tried to blur those lines and that's why you have it be like a, a movie within a movie and why it's about this like very relatable, all American, good old high school boy that gets corrupted by this den of reefer fucking crackheads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would love to hear the story of that one guy who like it was playing in some small theater in Indiana and he's like so stoned. <laughs> and he goes and he's like, what's reefer madness? And he sees this thing. Yeah, and it's just depicting like these teenagers are doing crazy shit. You know, they're, they've been lured into this den of iniquity and they're all smoking the reefer. And uh, like I was saying, yeah, like Dev was saying, this guy Jack, who's like the main villain of the story, he's very creepy. He's like, yeah, teenage girl. I love them, you know, type of shit. And uh, these kids are like, then they like go out and they hit people with their cars in the crosswalk. And and one guy, it's a big spoiler for the movie, but one guy like totally has like a hallucination of his girlfriend cheating on him. So he like shoots her because he's all high on marijuana, you know, and uh, as you do, like you do. So ba you, everyone should go watch this movie. But basically this D drug dealer Jack goes to the soda shop rest coffee, you know, restaurant. What is it? Soda pop fucking yes, hot, or so like soda a soda fountain. Place. Soda fountain. I don't know. I forgot what the yeah, the the old like you know steak and shake yeah, the, looking kind of place. Yeah, um, the old drugstore <laughs> soda fountains. Yeah, but yeah, that's like, like Schwab's. The for the high school kids, and he goes there just to lure people in and offer them smokes, and everyone thinks it's when he says a cigarette. He's like, "You want a cigarette?" And they're like, no, I don't smoke tobacco. And he's like, that's not what this is. This is a marijuana it's a, cigarette. Reefer. Yeah, it's a like, jazz cigarette. <laughs> clip from, um, you know, Sublime is and smoke two joints. Like, that is from Reefer Madness uh, yeah, in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but you got to remember, people didn't know what Reefer, the word, was back then. This is an invented word by the propaganda machine. Right. Everybody knew what cannabis was because doctors prescribed it. It was in all kinds of elixirs. People drank it as like a pain remedy the all days. the fucking time. And people knew what hemp was because it was used as a textile. So like they had to invent this word reefer. So no matter who you were, this is like kind of one of the first times you've heard this and you probably go to it thinking like, oh, what is this? Is this some shit that's different? 
I've never heard of this before. Meanwhile, they mean the same thing as what's already out there and legal. Because had they called it cannabis, people would have been like, oh, I know what that is. This isn't do that to you. That's ridiculous. I took that last <laughs> Thursday. You know? Like, <laughs> it was my coffee. The, the reefer, the word, is actually, marijuana, the word, is actually referring to a Mexican tobacco plant that has no THC in it. And that's the slang that Mexican immigrants used to call that type of tobacco. But they wanted to blame a lot of this, you know, prohibition aspect on minorities and immigrants, and particularly Mexicans working in fields and agriculture and farming, and then African-Americans with jazz singing and lounge singing and like the counterculture with music and all that shit. So those were the two groups that like were targeted, but they couldn't say cannabis is causing these people to go insane. They had to invent a new word to scare the shit out of everybody and something that no one would know. So then that's where reefer right. comes from and marijuana comes from. But in this right. movie, they go, they go to Billy, who's this all American, you know, good old kid. They corrupt him. Yeah. They lure him back to the den. He smokes weed for the first time. He, he realizes all the other characters there kind of go insane. They can't control their appetite, their emotions. Like one guy like humps a piano. One guy like crazy yeah. eats an apple. Like people yeah. are just like, ah, go they're insane. Going into all their vices whatever there's a vice of they go insane so like you know stuffing their mouth or or having sex like with each other with all it was it's a wild scene all the time it's like the dinosaurs (laughs) in the casino on fear and loathing remember that like yeah yeah, yeah, (laughs) it's like everybody became those guys you know yeah yeah and and, but go ahead oh go ahead no 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 I was just going to say it does have also yeah it's got this like fully fleshed out story don't get me wrong it's like like uh like Dev was talking about Billy and Mary or this young like American couple and it it's got a lot of like you know they're doing homework together and like uh Mary's talking to her mom about Billy and like you know they're they're definitely painting this picture of like a very wholesome high school couple who's got everything ahead of them and then they get pulled into this den of marijuana, you know, oh, and it like destroys them type of shit. And that's yeah, it was, I, this movie sounds cool. It's so, I mean, watching like, yeah, like, yeah. he tries to hide his addiction from his family, from <laughs> right. his girl, <laughs> right. and he comes in like he's all buttoned up and clean cut in the beginning, and then he's all disheveled with like unbuttoned yes. and loose tie, and like he becomes a junkie, dude. Insane. He's just and, shooting you know, hot marijuana into his veins. This you know? is hysterical. Oh, the whole it, reason to watch this movie, by the way, and Dev, I'm sure you're gonna yeah, agree with me here the piano guy ralph the piano (laughs) his name is ralph and ralph the piano guy man the the one who loves the piano so well he has enough is a guy who lives in the reefer den he's he so there's jack the head of the reefer den his girl may or ma and um another couple that lives there too and all they do is lounge around and smoke all day they deal drugs out of there but then they grow all this weed in the backyard so they're like, right. you have this giant field that looks like 
fucking field of dreams with the good old the cars, but it's all weed plants in the backyard. And there's a scene of it in, in <laughs> the, the at the end, which is awesome. But uh, yeah, so like Ralph is one of the addicts and they showcase him because he's the one who always goes really, really, really fucking insane when he smokes. So they do like close ups of his face and he's like smoking, playing piano, smoking, eating an apple, smoking, humping his girlfriend, smoking. Like it's nonstop. Like somebody just smoked 18 rocks. It was wild. Do yourself a favor. (laughs) Google piano player from Reefer Madness. It's like the most terrifying image It'll always stick with me. It's like Pennywise or some shit. This guy was so creepy. And Deb, do you remember his nickname? <laughs> uh, no, it's, I don't. Just when he wasn't, just when he wasn't scary enough, Jimmy and uh, Jimmy walks in and he sees the guy playing piano and he's going nuts. And he says, "I don't know why he says this, but he goes, hey, he ain't no paper man." And then his girlfriend Mary goes. Oh yeah, that's Hot Fingers Charlie. <laughs> Hot, Hot Fingers, fingers Charlie. Oh Hot Fingers Charlie. <laughs> that's Hot Fingers Charlie. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Hot Fingers Charlie is the reason to watch this movie whenever it gets right down to it. I'm I'm sold. <laughs> Are you Googling him right now? Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, great, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Old Hot Fingers. <laughs> Old Hot that Fingers must Charlie. That have been an improvised line because Charlie is nowhere in the character list. In this version <laughs> <laughs> of this film. So they're yeah, like, man. yeah, just, yeah that was great. Just keep it. We'll figure it in post. Old Hot Fingers. Dude. Old Hot Fingers. Definitely watch it though, and it is. It's just a series of events that just unfolds and just becomes worse and worse. And like Dev was saying, it is told through the uh, tool of a PTA meeting where a guy is showing all these parents, you know, the video. So, like Dev was saying, we're watching the movie within the movie, and then PTA pe- people were watching that movie, and it was all sorts of weird shit. But it, well, it now it's just somebody a, gets raped, somebody gets run over with a car, somebody gets yeah. shot and murdered. It ends yes. with a courtroom scene. It is a Greek fucking tragedy, yo. Like it's it is. mainly two big acts. There's one big act that's two thirds of the movie that is the whole lead up of Jimmy's arc, and then the climax of all the events that happen, and then the epilogue of like the fallout from the tragedy. And then uh, throughout that, it's cutting back to the narrator and the PTA group. But at the end, it actually the, the film itself closes on that PTA group. But yeah, it's right. it's worth the read. But like, I, I don't think they intended it to make it a Greek tragedy, but it's very Oedipus. <laughs> yeah, it definitely it definitely is very Oedipal, man. It's it's a it's 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 a movie, man. They definitely it's a whole say, movie. It's a whole movie. I say these things because I wrote I'm I wrote and I'm directing my movie Madness, and I wrote it as a mirror to this film. So if you right. watch my movie and when you watch my movie, and if you go back and read the script when it gets released, you'll see the structure very much marries intentionally of like a polar opposite to this with a lot of characters, a lot of the, even like some of the camera tricks and stuff are going to be very similar and reminiscent. It's an homage. It's a love letter to the madness. That is the whole reason why cannabis is illegal in this country. It's as long as you have hot fingers. Yeah. Is the spark of the fire that lit the prohibition era. Right. Whoa. Well, as long as you have Hot Fingers Charlie in there, I'm in. <laughs> Hot Fingers Charlie needs to be at the premiere. Yeah. Somebody cool. needs to be like playing a piano like a madman. Oh, cold I do. Toes Frankie. We're, <laughs> oh, that's we're old Cold Toes Frankie. 
Hot Fingers Charlie is a conglomeration of an entire family. And that's gonna, we're gonna talk about okay. here at the end. Okay. Well, I'll tell you a little bit about how this thing came to be. Uh, in 1936, originally called Tell Your Children, was financed and made by, it's like a kind of an underground church group, basically. Uh, it was like a, a bunch of churches came together to fund this thing, and it was to be shown to parents and spread the word about the devil's kale, Lucifer's kale, and the Mary Jane, all that stuff. And it was distributed... Lucifer's kale? <laughs> Lucifer's kale, man. That's <laughs> that the, the new version be the... of the devil's lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be one of the titles of this episode, Lucifer's kale. And it was distributed at first to churches. It was like shown in churches, which I don't know why. It's like you don't if, if the if the lady's at church, she probably doesn't want her kids smoking marijuana already, you know. <laughs> but it was to just really, mm-hmm. really scare the parents. Mm-hmm. By the way, that might not have gone over well in the South anyway, because you try to show a moving picture down there in my church. Yeah, we just got electricity. Yeah, we just got electricity. You ever here <laughs> doing magic in my church? Now you got one of them soul stealing devices <laughs> running up on them there on them their walls. <laughs> That'd be a great movie. Somebody goes to the backwoods of Alabama to try to show this, and they're like, "Get out of here with your." <laughs> magic picture. Can I mean, you get them out the box? Why are arguably, they trapped in the wall? You know, arguably the first successful major movie was about the South. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Oh, man. One day, D.W. Griffith, you got it fucking coming on, here, here on Film History, my man. You got a big, you got a big one coming, baby. But uh, it was originally, it was originally, or maybe you don't. Maybe we'll never talk to you about you ever. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to let the audience Google that one. They can go down that route. Yeah, we'll yeah, this. yeah. Just Birth of Our Nation by D.W. Griffith, who they claim the, the Griffith Park is not named after, and I'll never, ever let it go that it... <laughs> Most and certainly the was probably sign is not based <laughs> off of a racist neighborhood. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, when we sell this, there was another Griffith. I know. I, you know, <laughs> that's what the internet says. That's uh, what they all say. Yeah, that's what that's they what all Hollywood say. Hollywood says. <laughs> that's what Hollywood says. All right. Yeah, fucking. Uh, <laughs> that's what they all say. <laughs> You got fucking Flash out here destroying, attacking people in karaoke. Uh, <laughs> that's that's coming. Ezra Miller, that's coming. That episode. Oh, yeah. this, this production company was kind of created uh, unofficially by Anslinger and kind of like right. not really created, but like funneled money, organized it, put together the people that would be in charge. Even he kind of had a hand in picking the director. Like he is the one that provided one of his gore files to the director and the story writer so that they could use those as the inspiration and the basis for creating this. Could so you he still kind find of is ins- like an unofficial producer without ever being named and linked to it. Right, right. Can you still find his gore files out there? And Slinger's gore yeah. files? Yeah, wow. yeah. I, I have some of them, and they're um, they're at the uh, marijuana or cannabis history museum, which is a traveling museum. There was one in L.A. for a while, and I actually went there to. I'll post on my social media and on um, film histories tomorrow about the tour that I did of it where I found a lot of the old documents framed in picture frames 
walking around there of like the wow. gore files, letters from Harry Anslinger about the murder case in Tampa, Florida, like all kinds of crazy shit. Wow. And so like the thread, if I understand it correctly, and you know, what is what the legend has it is uh like we were talking about earlier, the logging company didn't want hemp to be a thing anymore. So uh the government enlisted Harry Anslinger, head of the you know, drug enforcement of America at the time, basically, to uh, launch a campaign against hemp and marijuana and make it totally illegal. And he was, yeah, like Dev said, was involved. He was like the producer on this thing with a bunch of All church right. groups to make this. Film. Let's just That's, yeah. let's go into this right now, real quick. Okay, because yeah. it's important. So Harry Anslinger was the head of what would become the DEA. Right. Yeah. He was appointed to that position by the secretary of the Treasury, which was Andrew Mellon at the time. Right. Mellon right. was the third wealthiest person in America. You had Rockefeller, you had Henry Ford and you had Mellon. So you have Mellon Carnegie, Mellon Steele. Andrew Mellon owned all the banking empire in Philadelphia. He also owned the steel mills that laid the railroad and he owned 60 percent of DuPont, which made plastics. Jesus. So yeah. he was a huge fucking influence. His tax law in the 1920s was directly responsible for causing the Great Depression. So much so wow. that co Congress had him impeached for it afterward. He's a billionaire who is the secretary of the treasury. And they, him and his banker buddies crashed the economy on purpose so that they could buy up competing banks for 10 cents on the dollar. That's Holy the whole reason why shit. we had the fucking Great Depression. And Congress found out about this and threw him out of office. But not before he put his, guess what, nephew by marriage in. <laughs> of course. And gave him a 500, Harry Anslinger, his nephew, in as the head of the newly formed Department of Narcotics. Or right. Narcotics Prohibition or something like that. Right. And that would eventually National evolve Oregon. into, yeah, the yeah. what would become the DEA. But Harry Anslinger was a Rockefeller's fucking head of security for his railroad company before he got this gig. So he was working for Rockefeller and then he went and married Andrew Mellon's niece. And then just so happened after that, he got a $500,000 budget, which is like $5 million back then, created this department out of nowhere under his uncle, his newly formed uncle-in-law, and then, you know, was his first task was go make hemp illegal. Why? Because right. hemp was the new billion-dollar crop. It was at this time that Popular Mechanics Magazine in 1933 said hemp is the new billion-dollar crop because of a machine called the decorticator. The decorticator was like a cotton gin, but for hemp. So before this machine, nice. it was really expensive and difficult to process and make hemp into shirts and ropes and different materials and shit. Well, this machine made it streamlined so that they could replace the need for growing oak for paper for newspapers. They could replace the need for having cotton. They could replace the need for all these materials which all these billionaires owned. Dude, the, uh, Diesel and Ford were making an engine that ran on ethanol that could be derived from right. hemp and hemp seeds. Henry Ford created a hemp plastic composite. There's a video that was 10 times stronger than steel. There was a video of him, you can find it on YouTube, taking a sledgehammer and bashing it into the side of a Model T Ford car and it, the hammer bounces off. Yeah, Like better yeah. than the fucking Tesla rock thing. 
Like right. this, <laughs> way better. The, the, <laughs> I think that was a PR stunt, anyways. But whatever. <laughs> uh, this the the basically Rockefeller and Mellon and William Randolph Hearst, who owned Hearst Publishing and all yeah. the newspaper mills in tree farms found out about this technology was coming up on the rise and they were like oh shit our legs are going to get cut out from under us we can't right. have we we got to make your cars out of my steel and it's got to run on his oil and the newspaper's got to be printed on his paper so these rich yeah. fucking business tycoons used their position in government and influenced it to control the market had the hemp became illegal or had hemp stayed legal and become industrialized, those industries wouldn't really exist. We wouldn't have fossil fuel burning in that capacity. Cars could be running on totally different stuff made from totally different shit. Think about that. Yeah. No war in the Middle East because of that. Like there's a lot of crazy tr domino effect things that have happened over the past hundred years, all because these fucking assholes wanted to save their bottom line. It was and like, they were the ones in charge of yeah. driving the country. Shit. Yes. Yeah. It was like the industry that never <laughs> happened because of, Whoa. yeah, it was like the dark ages. Like, There's yeah. a really good book by a guy named Jack Herrera, which the strain is named off of, called yeah. The Emperor Wears No Clothes, or New Clothes. But that, that kind of goes into all of this, too. But when I, dude, I found out, I knew about this movie, but I had no idea about this when I started doing research. I started Googling and Wikipediaing, like, who is Henry Anslinger? Who is Andrew Mellon? Oh, what the fuck right. is this? And slowly, like, the thread on the sweater just started unraveling, and I did... Yeah. Two years of investigative journalism because a friend of mine told me about the murder that in Tampa that was this real life inspiration for this movie. So it was only by like researching that murder and then discovering all this other shit was going on in the political sphere and the what are we time period. What are we? That, uh, <laughs> that uh, I really went, holy fuck, I did the same reaction as you, Drake. And that's what everybody fucking does when they hear this. And I was like, you know yeah. what? I, it inspired me to go tell this story because I said, you know, if people knew how and why we got here as a nation, we wouldn't be fucking dicking around doing this anymore. Like, seriously, yeah, for it's been sure. hundred years. Everybody's dead that was involved. We're just running off of this old shit. Like when the marijuana tax stamp act came in to be like there, it went before Congress and Merrill LaGuardia from New York testified against in Congress saying this is not a good idea. Do not make this legal or illegal because it's not dangerous at the at the thing. They had no doctors. They had no healthcare professionals. They had nobody of that. It was all businessmen and attorneys testifying before Congress saying whether or not they should think that this is a good idea to make illegal. So like Congress had these hearings in 1937 after this movie and after all this shit came out. And that was to create this act that said you can only possess and grow and consume marijuana if you had this tax stamp. But they basically made it impossible to get the tax stamp. So Whoa. that it by de facto became federally illegal to grow, to manufacture, to process, to import, all that shit. Whoa, right. holy shit. I feel like this is the end of a Saw movie and the Man. music starts playing and all the pieces <laughs> fall into place. It's like the, the end of Metal Gear Solid. Wild, dude. Yeah, man. That's uh that's that's why we did this episode today. Yeah. You know, we did we did Weed history, the history of weed today. <laughs> We're here to tell yeah. the people, tell yeah. the people the truth. No, but that's dude. one of the this. That's one of the, the interesting things to remember while watching this thing is like all the shit that's going on around it. You know, wow, and such a such a 
powerful propaganda tool that they've made here. <laughs> Dude, and, uh, Edward Bernays, man. Like, he's the guy who invented yep. propaganda. This was came out in the 20s. His book, Propaganda, was being widely read by people in media, advertising, government. I mean, Hitler was using his book as a playbook for Nazi Germany in Europe at this time. Yeah. This is not a foreign concept. This is a thing of like, yo, we're going to strategically change the minds and will of the people by using these different mass manipulation techniques that are like documented, studied, tested, and, you know, kind of like oh, you yeah. know, doing all that. Yeah. So it, there's it was a reason why the time <laughs> there's a reason why the military put in like the equivalent of $500 million in the wings. Yeah. Yeah. The irony yeah. behind that is in 19 fucking 42, a movie called hemp for victory was made by the United States government because what? we were in the war. Yes, we were in World War II, and they re temporarily revoked the prohibition on marijuana and on hemp. Why? Because wow. they needed the hemp fibers for industrial stuff for the army. So like ropes for ships, clothing and tote bags, uniforms. And when, when this country was started in the, in the colonies, it was a requirement. If you were a landowner that you had to dedicate a certain portion of your land to growing hemp because hemp was so widely used. It was used for every ship, every shipping thing, every, the, the, the infrastructure of the company or the country needed in the colonies needed hemp to survive. Just to make sure, Whoa. dude. So, right. like, it was it was a law. George Washington grew fucking hemp, not because, like, hey, he liked to smoke weed, but it was because, hey, we need to use this to make uniforms for the fucking army or, like, whatever, you know, kind of textiles, clothing, all that type of shit. So, they, the government has already had a history of using hemp for industrial reasons. We just let these fucking bankers and assholes come in here and, and co-opt it and push it out. But, like, that's why during the, the World War II, they lifted this ban and they encouraged people to grow hemp. And there's this movie that they showed all around theaters. It's only 15 minutes long. You can find it on YouTube too. It's called Hemp for Victory. And it's produced by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, bro. It's like one of those old World War II black and white war films, but all yeah. about growing weed. It shows you how wow. to grow weed. <laughs> That's awesome. Hemp for victory, indeed. Right. That could also be the episode title here today. <laughs> but uh, uh, what, it, what an incredible story. Yeah. And this, a very important context for, for, for the why this movie was, was manufactured. So, um, Dev, in, in James, neither your research, you said that this was funded primarily through these church groups and mm. stuff, and then they... They uh they had, was if you follow the money even deeper were the church groups also funded by like these large companies like oh yeah and, and, well, that, Rockefeller the was this a movie? big prohibitionist bro Rockefeller yeah. was a prohibitionist against alcohol because he didn't want alcohol and ethanol first of all he was kind of religious and like he was his work ethic but in they addition were, to that yeah. while he was building his oil empire he was trying to snuff out other competitors to oil. And one of those would have been alcohol as a burning fuel. So he right. didn't want to fucking get really people to quit drinking. He didn't really give as much of a fuck at that because he never drank. But he did want to say, hey, I want to make sure nobody fucking uses this as fuel for, for car engines because the car was just coming out. So yeah. or fucking trains or lanterns or whatever. So that, that he was funding these prohibition, these 
um, women's religious groups that really instilled uh, alcohol prohibition. What the suffrage mm-hmm. movement? He was a big proponent behind the fucking like you know alcohol in the 1910s and 20s in that era, leading to actual prohibition changing. So then you got to think he's got these contacts. He's got a big fucking barrels of money. What happens when alcohol becomes legal? These fucking groups need something else to bitch about. They need another <laughs> holy war. They're crusaders. So he's like, okay, turn the spotlight on this now. And that's what he did with the fucking agents, or all of them, not just him. Like They kind of colluded together to do this. Um, with all the federal agents that were going after, the FBI people, all those uh, G-men that were going after the Al Capones and the gangsters, when they didn't yeah. go after them anymore, they still needed jobs. So instead of putting them out, they were like, all right, we'll get a new villain for you. Right. And I mean, a lot of Harry it. Anslinger writing his writings created the United Nations policy on drug prohibition. So like Whoa. the UN did he fucking wrote the fucking book, not only on US law, but law around the world. This is not just a US thing. This is a global fucking thing, dude. Imagine if like people in Africa and India and China and all these other like countries had access to this and could use this as a resource. We'd be off of fossil fuels quicker than we thought. We'd be having less consumption, less pollution. Like mm-hmm. this is a huge fucking travesty. And Whoa. hemp grows to mature in six to eight months so like you don't right. have to wait 10 years like you do an oak tree for a piece of fucking paper it's real fucking quick <laughs> and yeah. they will eat fucking carbon from the atmosphere and pull all that shit out it's like the use cases Whoa. for this are profound dude this is like world world changing shit whoa yeah for sure yeah and it's funny so because put that, oh, stop. Your, put that in your fucking pipe and smoke it the budget for it was a hundred grand by the way that's what they say which when you put that through the old inflation calculator it's about 2.1 million that's what they paid for this thing okay and uh but it's funny we were talking about you know things backfiring in 1972 this of course in 1936 this definitely was one of those films that did not get copywritten the right way Mm -hmm. you know and so in 1972, Keith Stroop, the founder of the National Organization for Reform of Marijuana Laws, or NORML, basically the legalize it bros, <laughs> discovered a decrepit print of reefer madness in the Library of Congress archives. And they bought it for $297, which when you put that through the old inflation calculator, that's about a thousand bucks. They got it from the archives. And he went to college campuses up and down the coast of California, and he would set these things up in, like, you know, some field at your college campus, and it was a dollar admission to come in and see this movie, and everybody would just smoke weed and watch it. He had these, like, huge, like, weed-smoking, you know, like, watch parties for this thing. And uh, he actually raised $16,000 in the 70s towards the support for the California Marijuana Initiative, a pro-legalization political group. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I don't imagine they would have been very happy about that in the 30s. Dude, you know? it's the dichotomy of irony, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was I bought mean, by... Go ahead. No, it was, it was awesome, bought by... I think. <laughs> 
Yeah, me too. No, for sure. Yeah. I'm really glad that's what happened with it. It got totally turned I'm over. Using it for good. Yeah. <laughs> and it got bought by New Line Cinema later on. They heard about this and went to a screening at the Bleecker Street Cinema. And uh, Robert Shea of New Line noticed that the film's copyright notice was still wrong, <laughs> realized that it was still public domain, and he's the one who bought it and distributed it nationally. And he made a fuck. He made more money off of this movie than anybody from the inception of this movie. Like probably as much as like Henry Anslinger made from all this shit. You know, <laughs> holy shit. Wait, so was this movie ever originally released in theaters, or was it only kind of used as like uh, we're gonna come to your school and use it for propaganda for this PTA meeting? I don't. I, they probably it was probably a special thing I would imagine I don't it never got like a main release though, I see like okay. in 1930s okay. you know it wasn't like but, so was it so it was it you said it was like more widely distributed later by by the um, by what by New Line New Line yeah they, they weren't selling tickets to this when it came. Right. Okay. Right. Oh, I were, see. They, okay. This was like bought and paid for by these groups and then just like shown for free. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, was, was it, did it eventually get a theatrical release by New Line? Well, <sighs> no. I don't. No, really. no, no. Like, they never okay. like. They, they did like a video DVD. They try to distribute like that, but it hasn't. It's done specialty showings at like right. you know, the New Beverly and places like that. But right. I think because of the copyright and the fact that you know nobody's really trying to make money off of this, or you know can really make a lot of money because a lot of people who've seen it who are interested in it. It's like more of a novelty right. thing at this point, right? Yeah. Uh, but Reefer Madness, the musical, made money. So that came out as an off-Broadway musical in San Francisco originally and then moved to New York and was off-Broadway and then got on Broadway and won a bunch of Tony Awards the first like round of his go. And then it was quickly made into a movie musical. And that movie musical right. stars Kristen Bell. Everybody should go fucking watch it. It's amazing. Absolutely. I'm it's definitely going to see that. It's in color. It's like, <laughs> dude, they have a whole scene where Jesus is in it and sings a song. The devil is in it and sings a song. Like, dude, you That's got, awesome. go YouTube some of these clips, even if you don't have time to watch the movie. Um, because the music is written great in it. It's comedy. I, I suggest everyone to go spend, if you're going to spend money on something, go spend money on that. Cause at least the people involved will get the residuals and shit <laughs> instead of like the fucking corrupt bitches. Just go watch the reefer madness on for free. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Pay for that. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. And then the colorized one in 2004 legend films restored it and colorized it. And they're the ones who, if you watch the version, it's really funny. They do. They, they featured intentionally unrealistic color schemes that add to the film's campy humor. The smoke from the marijuana was made to appear green, blue, orange, and purple. Each person's colored smoke representing their mood and the different levels of addiction. Whoa. They like went all out. They told like a story with color in That's the movie. That's so cool. Yeah, it was I, very you, cool. You love to see it. You love to see it. Now, <laughs> dude, they a second restoration, 2020, they restored this thing again. Uh, the Library of Congress produced a second restoration in 4K. So you can Whoa. see this thing in 4K. They now. were like, we're all in lockdown. We need yeah. you're already smoking weed. Here is the movie to do that with. <laughs> exactly, man. Oh yes. man. Awesome. Wait, is that is that it? Is that all the That's it for the movie. Okay. So there's not there's not too many too many movie facts. Nothing Nah. No, it no. was it's kind of cut and dry. Yeah. You know, it was just yeah, a propaganda, it was a propaganda thing. film. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 do you think outside of like Outside of everything else, like in a vacuum, do you think it's like a good movie? Is it like well made or is it like more of it's kind of it's 
a B movie kind of good. It's B movie it, good. Okay. It's like, Go. yeah, like I would say it's well made. Like, I would much rather watch this than Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Janos. Yeah. No, man. Yeah. It's look, I, like I said earlier, it's a movie. Yeah. You know? It's it exists. From okay. beginning to end, it, it's a movie. Everyone, every, it's look, it's only an hour long. So everybody right. should see oh, it. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Life. You're in, you're out. Yeah. Dude, yeah. that's that's yeah. an episode yeah. of an Apple Plus show right there, baby. <laughs> Take an that's, edible that's an hour before. That's an episode of Euphoria. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I watch this movie twice a year. Once on 420 and then once on October 16th in memory of the real murder. Because <laughs> oh, it's Halloween. That's a perfect. Too. It's all ah. about murder and going crazy and insanity and like dark acting and like you know rape and like you know fuck it like there is one yeah, thing though well, you'll notice like when uh, somebody gets run over by a car and it's like bad special effects it's so, so like, bad you really see like you'll see a shot of like them driving and then it cuts to like a dude walking across the street and then yeah. back to them driving and then back to walking and then back to them and then it's just like the dude's falling over and the uh, away. Like, like it's very it's, slowly it's falling like, over. Ah, shit! You guys didn't even try with this. So like no. some of that is kind of silly and crazy, but that's what makes it like. <laughs> oh man, this is like you know entertaining. So in. it's so good. No, so yeah, and you've got lines in this thing. Wait, I have to find this one line that I wrote down, and it was from uh, it was from Jimmy. It was right after Hot Fingers Charlie. <laughs> But uh, one of them one of them points at like a teenage girl, and he's like, "Yeah, she's the one I was talking about." And the other guy's <laughs> like, "Nice, <laughs> nice, nice." That's funny. It's like yeah, it's they like are the very creepers. <laughs> yeah, man, it's like the weasels from fucking uh, mm. Toontown. You know, oh, like yeah. yeah, like that's everybody in this movie. You that's know, hysterical. But uh, I'm glad you talk about that murder, Dev, because we're gonna end off part one right here, and part two, we're gonna hear Dev tell us. A murder story, Ooh. spooky, spooky, scary, spooky, scary. Well, um, a little bit back further in time to 1933, and yeah. hear about the Dream Slayer. The Whoa. Dream Slayer. Well, I'm I'm stoked. Um, but uh, but if everything goes right, everyone at home should be listening to this episode on 420. Like, just happen to release our Wednesday's our release day. We just happen to. Land on a Wednesday. Listen Boom. this time for 420. So yeah. uh, happy 420, happy everyone. Happy 420, everyone. Um, if you want more content from us, yeah. you can go over to our Patreon, or Film History, History of Film Patreon, where there will be more content. Uh, this is the first month that we've like gotten the Patreon up and going. We're still getting the getting the wheels all greased up, but uh, uh, there will be there will be content. There'll be at least. Um, well, if you still want to hear us talk about the Oscars, that's coming this week. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's coming. Uh, but we're gonna. I'm doing. I'm putting together a special report on Ezra Miller, uh, Menace to Society. Yes. Uh, we're gonna. We're gonna maybe talk about uh, some other things too. I just went to Coachella. Johnny Depp is having a whole a whole ass trial right now. The plot thickens. All the stuff that's like you you'd, you'd want to hear us talk about, but it's not really film history. You know what yeah. I mean? That's, that's it's film history in the making. It's film history in the making. You can find that on Patreon. It's uh, as well as a bunch of other stuff. Uh, shout out Dylan to Dylan, uh, who raised his pledge to fifteen dollars. Yes, so now I have to write a game history <laughs> episode for this month. So there will also be a game history episode at that fifteen dollars tier. Keeping us honest, Dylan. Yeah, I love keeping it. us honest. You can check out uh, all the other stuff uh, that we got going on. And Dylan, just so you know, 
Uh, I know we're on day like 20 of this month, but uh, you're about to get a flood of content. So yeah. uh, thank you for your patience as we get this thing set up. Um, and then you can find me at Drake Cummings on Instagram, at Drake underscore Cummings on Twitter, Hollywood Drake on TikTok. Check out my merch line at Raging20smerch.com. Uh, and uh, just I'm generally just around the internet. So... Yeah. Around the internet. <laughs> you can find me around the internet. Sailor Dev on Instagram, uh, Abracadabra Films official on Instagram, and follow Twitter um, at Abracadabra Dev. And you can find us at Film History, the History of Film, on all your socials. FHHF Podcast on our or FHHF Pod on Twitter. I got. I always have to recheck it, but uh, it's out there on Twitter. Please, FHHF official or something. Yeah. yeah. Please you type go. in film history around the internet. You'll find us. You'll find us. You'll see it. Type it on Pornhub. See what comes our, up. Yeah. There should be links on our website, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, well, we got to update that. And please go check out our fancy, shiny new Patreon. It's looking beautiful. And uh, you can find me at Jimmy Deloy or James Y. Scott, depending on where you're looking for me. And you can also find me being all sexy, draped over a piano, smoking a joint, while Hot Fingers Charlie just goes to town. And you can interpret that either way you want. Because that's been Film History. The, the History, history. Film. You know what I'm talking about!